You're listening to Two Beers Until Phrenesis, a podcast where we discuss the ideas of philosophy, ethics, religion, history, and culture. Alongside regular guests and friends, we discuss some of life's big questions over a few beers. Enjoy. I'll be going over a few things that we've already said in, I guess, the pseudoscience podcast. So between this and our more recent episode on conspiracy theories in series two, You'll never have to listen to Series 1 again and all that crappy audio. Thank fuck for that. As in that one, and as with all our episodes, I don't want to come off as a twat. I think it'll be revealed fairly early on that I'm a skeptic, I would say. Um, We'll get into kind of what that means and why. I think you guys have lots of differing opinions. And one thing I definitely don't want to do is sort of be patronizing or condescending. As I said, as we were sort of getting ready, just to say I'm a skeptic isn't to say that I haven't had things happen to me that I can't explain or that I'm even ruling out the possibility of certain phenomena. So, yeah. So I know, I know you, you would say you've experienced things, Kieran, and uh, I'd say to an extent I have too. So we'll, we'll unpack a lot of that and kind of explain why talking about ghosts is problematic for some people. And I guess we should just start by sort of telling ghost stories, I guess. Uh, Kieran, what you got? (laughs) Well, gather gather round, young ones. I've got some spooktacular tales for you because um, my family and I moved to the Forest of Dean in yeah 2004, and my mum and dad still live at the house now. It's uh, it's, it's quite an old house. It's um it's, it's coming up to like 200 years old. Easy. It was like it was like start of the 1800s, like sort of 1830, 1840, something like that. Yeah, new new buildings can't be haunted. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, no. And it, again, that's something that we can talk about later. Um, but the, I, I guess it's important for me, uh, for anybody that might want to perhaps draw some conclusions on any potential subconscious biases uh, or, or um, any potential sort of things that I may have got myself worked up over when I was a kid. You know, it's important for me to mention that. So it, it is an old house. Uh, we did know that moving into it. When we first moved in during the kind of moving phase there were some kind of odd things that were going on that my mum and dad didn't kind of tell me about until many years later and this is kind of the crux of it really is that there was a lot that went on I didn't actually there was the things that happened to me and there was the things that happened that mum and dad didn't actually tell me about because they knew that I was like kind of worried already and they just didn't want to like freak me out because they knew I'd overthink it yeah sure It started with poltergeist activity is what is commonly known as, which is basically stuff being moved around the house, stuff going missing. That was always the most common uh, activity, if if you can call it that. But you're attributing it to a poltergeist as opposed to another kind of spirit or like... I I am labeling it as poltergeist activity because the the way you would categorize that, that's how it's most commonly known to anybody that will be listening to this who's ventured you know even just a little bit into the world of ghosts things that are manipulated by an unseen presence are typically seen to be poltergeist activity so hold on mate what, what did it what did it do i'm not going to refer to uh i'm not going to refer to it as it because like i said i, I and i'll get to my views in a bit yeah loaded like I, I think you can just assume that if you want to say it, that's cool. Like I know that like the, a lot of the language is very loaded and whatever. Yeah, but... I, I don't. I don't want people to kind of get the wrong conclusion from me. Right. So my understanding of what a poltergeist is, and there may be people out there that will correct me on this, but it's uh, typically a, an unseen entity that manipulates objects and can you know cause like sounds to come along. It's not a, not kind of like a, a full bodied 
apparition, if that makes sense. Like, you know, kind of a ghost appearing with clanky chains. It's something that's unseen, uh, but causes things to be kind of moved about, heard, and so forth, and felt. They, they normally haunt house as opposed to a person, don't they? Well, isn't, isn't that the, the kind of rule that people think? I don't know whether it's a rule or whether that's just kind of like the most observed cases. Yeah, I might be wrong about this. Uh, well, my man is a medium. Oh, uh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mentioned it on, I think I mentioned it on a podcast before, um, quite early on. But didn't listen basically, to it. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't listen to it. But basically, I remember her saying something about a poltergeist being an earthbound spirit. So between the, the sort of the good spirits and the bad spirits, because of course it has to have that big cosmic conflict like a religion. Um, and the earthbound spirits are people that are trapped, but not just aimlessly wandering they inhabit a very specific place because they sort of have unfinished business or pent-up energy whatever uh, you think that's a mean so they inhabit a single place so it's basically that's that's why it's a haunting because they are stuck they're bound to a certain place and don't like other people sort of moving into that house or whatever that's cool that's i think that's how i was explained it but yeah different people have different theories yeah I think that was probably the, the most appropriate way we categorized it. And when kind of years later, we sort of told people about it. I mean, we didn't really talk to a lot of people about it at the time because, you know, people are typically going to be skeptical to it. And, and rightfully so, you know. You got the old Rick around there, didn't you? Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll get to that in a bit. That was my mum and dad's choice, actually. Um, so, yeah, we had, we had all this poltergeist activity, lots of things going missing, lots of things turning up in places. Uh, there was one place in particular, and, and the best way to kind of highlight that is this story. So it was my, I think it was my 10th birthday. It was, what, it, was, it was my birthday. It was the day of my birthday, and I got a portable DVD player for my birthday, which were all the fucking rage at that point. Um, so uh, I got that, and I got a copy of The Incredibles, uh, the mm -hmm. animated film on DVD. And I was upstairs in my parents' room and I was watching uh, The Incredibles on this this portable DVD player. There was no one else upstairs with me. Uh, everyone else was downstairs. And um, Man, I can't remember anything that happens to me last week, yet alone this far back. This is quite, this is painting a picture. This is good. It's, it's, it's because it was, being honest, it was quite traumatic for me. So that's why it kind of sticks in my mind. Like yeah, I've, sure. I've dealt with it since, but at the time it was, you know, I was, I was shit scared, man. Like I was only like nine, 10 years old. Mum called me down for, for like my lunch. So I came down. I had lunch and and I knew for a fact I, I'd left the portable DVD player on my mum and dad's bed. It, it was just left there. I hadn't packed it away or anything. It was still plugged in and I paused it even. So I had no reason to kind of pack it away. I was midway through watching the, the, the film. Came back upstairs and it was gone, literally gone without a trace. Everything, uh, in, in, including the DVD um, inside it. We didn't find it. We couldn't find it anywhere. We literally searched high and low for it, couldn't find it. Um, it actually turned up about a week later and it was. There was there was basically what was at the time my little brother's bedroom. There was there was a big airing cupboard that was not a walk-in one. It's one that's set up from the ground, so it's like you open it and it's like a a ledge basically. Um, my little brother was only like Jesus, like three years old at the time, two years old. So there's no way in how that he could have gotten even to the first level of this. My my portable DVD player turned up at the top of this airing cupboard, like put right at the top at the back, and nobody had put it there nobody had been in the house nobody had done that hand on heart there was no reason for anyone to do that and there was no one else upstairs so that was really weird i didn't necessarily attribute that to a ghost at the time i think my mum and dad kind of noted that as being really odd because i found out years later that a lot of the things that went missing in the house turned up in this same place 
they were all turning up at the top of this this cupboard. It seemed to be like a hot spot for this odd shit that was going on. We started hearing footsteps and things upstairs. There was one instance in particular where uh, it happened on a couple of occasions, really, but the two that stick in my mind, we were all downstairs in the kitchen together. There was no one upstairs, and we heard someone walk almost from one end of the upstairs to the other side of the house. So we heard not just like one or two footsteps, but literally we could hear the footsteps traveling across. Yeah, it's not not just creaking. So like, I, no, yeah. no, no, no. I've you know I'm not an idiot. I've I've heard what wood sounds like expanding. I can tell the difference. Like that the house used to creak on its own. Granted, this was different. The, the, these were footsteps, and we all went we all went deadly quiet when it happened. And mum and dad didn't really say anything about it at the time because, like I said, there was a big emphasis on them just trying not to worry us. I came home from drama class one day. Um, I heard someone walking around upstairs. You know, when you're kind of expecting to see somebody, but then, and you're talking to them and then you come in and it's somebody else and you're like, oh fuck, like, you know, and you're surprised and you're caught off guard. Yeah. That's what happened with me when I came in. Cause I heard somebody walking around upstairs and I just presumed it was mum. So I was literally chatting away, like talking as I was walking up the stairs. And when I got upstairs, I couldn't see anyone and I looked out and I could see everybody was outside in the garden through the window. There was no one upstairs. That's fucking, yeah. And I will never forget, I jumped from the top step of our house and we've got a big steep staircase. I jumped from the top to the bottom so hard that I hurt my ankle and legged it out of the house and I was just petrified. Yeah, fuck that. Because th- there's quite a few stories I've got to tell. So like, I don't want to just dominate this whole podcast. So maybe we should kind of like stop there and reflect. <laughs> Have you looked into like the the history of that house, Kieran, at all, or anything like that, just to try and get some sort of answers or f- figure out what's going on? Yeah, we, we we tried really hard. I mean, I think this was back at the time when. I mean, I I guess I kind of have to progress the story then to explain that. So, in brief, some of this activity went on. There was one incident that happened, and this is the one that I'm the most skeptical of because, in hindsight, I think this one can probably be explained. Um, I'd gone to bed really upset. I'd had an argument with mum and dad. Um, again, I was probably about ten years old at this point, maybe eleven. It all, sorry, it all happened in the space of a year. Yeah. Oh, this this went on for years. This went on for years, mate. The 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 last time we experienced stuff, probably. Probably, probably went on till I was about maybe 18 or 19. In fact, even I'd say even within the last sort of five five years or so, I think mum and dad have said that there have still been things that have gone missing, but it, it definitely calmed down, whatever it was. Basically, uh, I'd, I'd gone to bed upset because we, we'd had an argument and um, I was led in bed and I'll never forget, I just suddenly felt really kind of uncomfortable, really like sort of like something wasn't right. And... <sighs> I'm, I'm, I'm almost choking up a little bit because I can remember I, it's taken me back to how scared I was at the time, but I, I, I rolled over in my bunk bed and what I saw in the kind of sort of half, cause I had like a nightlight in my room that sort of dimly lit the room. What I saw in the half light of the room was an, was an old man stood in the corner of my room. Fuck. And I, I literally froze. I, I I'll never forget. I, I was trying to shout for my mum, but I could, I couldn't get the words out. And, I, I was I, I was literally paralyzed with fear. And that's why I think there is the potential that this may have actually been an instant of sleep paralysis, potentially. Um, so this this, yeah, this yeah. is the one that I'm the most skeptical about. So it's important to, to point that out. Um, but I, I, I was awake because eventually I got the words out and I, I'd covered, I managed to cover my eyes so I didn't look. Uh, and, and I was shouting for my mum. Uh, and mum came upstairs. And obviously, they were still mad at me at this point. 
but they, they could see I was absolutely petrified. So I ended up spending the night in, in bed with my mum and my, my dad, you know, slept on the sofa. And um, yeah, and after that, that was when they kind of made the call that they needed to get, get, get a priest in. I think mostly as a bit of comfort for, for me and, and Sophie, my sister, because Ewan was too young to kind of understand what was going on. So I think it was mostly for us, but I do think they did it for them as well. Because um, years later, well, I say years later, it was actually only within the last year or two, my mum confided in me that she woke up one night and thought she saw an old man in her room as well. And uh, she was like screaming her head off and dad had to calm her down. Yeah, I would, I would say... Um... When you mentioned sleep paralysis, yes. like that does, I'm not trying to, I'm not, obviously I'm not trying to discount what you saw or anything, no. but that does sound exactly like most sleep paralysis reports. I've had similar things myself, not like an old man per se, but that is a fairly sort of common symptoms that you're having, like the whole actually paralyzed, can't speak, yeah. you feel uncomfortable. And they, they do tend to come on after traumatic events. If you had an argument and you're upset, that's just another kind of yeah, heightened emotional states and things. I mean, we talked about it actually in the Halloween podcast. We talked about the incubus it's sitting on your chest and you can't move. Yeah, and yeah, yeah it, a lot, where a lot of these ideas come from, uh, you know, it's quite common to experience sleep paralysis. But yeah, uh, not not for a second would I say you didn't see that because of course, of course, you did. That's not, yeah, that's not really. Uh, up for debate even but if, if i don't believe in ghosts yeah it's, it's the explanation of what that was was it something to do with the unconscious was it something to do with i'm not going to say like uh, hallucinogenic uh stuff but you know lots of things like that have happened and it has explained things in the past um and, and it could well be that there are things still within the realms of explainable phenomena that we that we don't know of yet it's strange though that from Kieran's description as to like what his mum said that she saw, like that there seems to be a lot of similarity though. Was it was did she experience that after you'd said what it looked like? And and and, and this is and this is why I've mentioned it. So I, I agree with you, Joanne and Connor. I, I I am pretty confident that this was this was sleep paralysis or or maybe just the the light playing tricks on me. I, I don't I don't think I saw a ghost that night. I think that it was something in my head I, um, and I think why my mum potentially saw it is because when she came in and saw me that terrified and had experienced all the other phenomena that have been going on I think it probably played on her mind I think she was probably scared and I think it probably became something that was in her subconscious and one night she went to bed and maybe just had a bad dream about it Do you know what I mean like I, th I think yeah. I think that's what it was and there's been things in the past of like six people all screaming and seeing something a mass hysteria people people swearing blind that there's something in front of them this is taking it now to like testable observable experiments that people have done in the past and if you can somehow trick the brain or trick yourself into thinking that something is in front of you i'm not saying that's that's what you experienced but there's a lot of possibility out there it, it makes it no less scary or no less real even yeah hmm. I, I don't know if that's a comfort or not that there are things like that 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 can happen you know i think it's even it, it's probably more of a comfort to think it's a ghost to be honest because that's kind of mystical and like it comforts you that there's an afterlife and yeah there's an order to things i will I, I will say that that is probably one of the only things that happen in that house that i think i can explain uh i i, I genuinely cannot offer you you don't think, you don't think the, the footsteps could be a similar kind of thing no 
because we were all wide awake yeah. and it happened on so many occasions under so many different circumstances. It was a really common one. Um, mum and dad heard it together without me. I heard it with mum and dad. I heard it with mum, dad and Sophie all in the same place. I heard it on my own. It, it, it happened to all of us and it was always, it was, it was always the same kind of thing. And like I said, we lived in an old house for a long time. We're not idiots. We know what expanding wood sounds like. We know what creaky floorboards sound like. We know that there was a difference. The, these were footsteps, 100%. And it was it was very, very odd. Very odd. But um, I, I didn't answer. I think it was Joe's question, or was it Matt's, um, about well, did we do any research into the house? And uh, I kind of had to progress the story to that point. But that was really where we started looking into it. But yeah, we, we, we did get the, the priest round uh, to... He was actually sent by the was it the Archdeacon of Gloucester uh, Cathedral or something? But yeah, it was all quite form quite a formal process. But yeah, they sent a the guy around and um and did did a blessing on the house and thing at the time seemed to maybe calm down a bit, but that might have just been because it, it eased the stress. But things definitely happened afterwards, so I, I I didn't believe it would work anyway. I'm not religious, so but it was nice of mum and dad to try and do something to at least, you know, ease our fears a bit. But at that point we started looking into the history of the house to try and find something. Um, the only thing we were able to dig up is that there was, uh, there was an old man that lived in the house on his own going back, I don't know, maybe like early 1900s or something. Um, and, and he did die in the house, but that was as close we got to it. But again, that's kind of going with this theory that a, we saw the ghost of an old man and that, what's responsible for this phenomena is dead people, which I'm not convinced. I'm of the mindset that the phenomena happened, but the explanation for that phenomena is not certain. I think you can believe in the phenomena happening, but it being perhaps something else, you know, I've always wondered maybe if it's something to do with EMF fields. Yeah. It doesn't have to be supernatural or paranormal. It it can be something that is natural, naturalistic. Force of, a force of nature, yeah. There has been a lot of theories that poltergeist activity seems to coincide with adolescence because of they've got such strong emotions at that age, which would potentially ring true because when we moved into the house, my sister was a teenager, I was coming up to my teen years, and the activity seemed to calm down a lot once Sophie and I had moved out the house and uh, it was just you and left and anyone who knows my brother, he's a lot more kind of docile than my sister and I. He's, he's pretty chill. Um, whereas Sophie and I have got quite strong emotions. So I've heard theories about that and I don't know how credible those are, but again, it's, it's another thing that actually is quite natural when you think about it and it's not so far-fetched as, oh, there's a dead man in the house banging pots and pans. Mm. But yeah, what what are other people's thoughts on this then? What your stories in particular, or just generally? <laughs> Bit of both, really. Yeah, Joe, you said things have happened to you, and you're you're much more of a, a, a skeptic. Yeah, the, there's one thing that stands out. It, it's not. I can't really top what Kieran said, so it might not be that interesting. But basically, I used to work at a pub restaurant place in my village, which was actually reputed to be haunted. A lot of the other staff had seen and heard things and stuff. It was like a really old building. And it was probably like half past midnight. It was the end of quite a long shift. I was one of the few staff on in the building. Um, we'd just done a wedding function. I was tidying up in the room where they'd had the dinner and everything. And it's kind of like a door that goes off to one of the bars. And it's the only way in and out of the bar. And I was tidying up in there and I mopped the floor and everything. And I remember I obviously cleared everything off the floor before I mopped it. Then went out into the into the main function room, like put some chairs away or something. I can't really remember, but nobody came into the room. 
at that point. There's nobody in this side of the building. When I walk back into the bar through the only door you can get in and out, and I didn't even clock it at the time as being weird, there was a stack of napkins right in the middle of the floor, like four or five napkins or so, just neatly folded up and stacked in the middle. And the floor around it was still wet and everything from where I'd literally just mopped. And at the time, I literally didn't clock it. I was like, oh, I forgot. I dropped that or whatever. Pick them up, put them on the side. And it was only like a couple of minutes later, I was like, that just, that just can't have happened. Because I remember clearing the entire floor. There's no shelves that could have fallen off off or anything like that. Mm. So it's not like, it wasn't anything like crazy, but it kind of stuck in my mind. as like, I just never been able to explain that to this day. And I'd kind of wish I'd got the CCTV or something, but I just never... Mm never thought to do that that's just like the one thing i can't quite put my finger on because i can sort of explain away like um i've heard a voice or i might have saw something out the corner of my eye it could be my brain playing tricks on me but this one was more kind of it's more like an interaction with the real world and I, that kind of to me that's like another level of the paranormal i guess so as i said i'm, I'm generally a skeptic but i'm yeah there are stuff there are things that i can't really explain and I think that there probably is an explanation, but we just don't have the answers yet. Yeah. So are you saying then that the like the napkins are in, it's impossible for napkins to have been there because you'd see somebody like walk through the wet floor? Like what, or are you saying it's... So this bar, there's one door in and out. And I was in the bar. I walked out of through the door into the main room, function room, clearing stuff away. And the whole time I was the only one in there. Nobody came in and out of that nobody if anyone went into the bar i would have seen them because they'd had to walk through the room i was in and then i went back into the bar straight after to do something else and they were just like in the middle of the floor stacked up neatly and it's just bizarre because like i wouldn't have put them down there in the first place even if i forgot that i'd done that it's just very strange. yeah that is that is really strange well, one theory i think that i think i think is very credible with these kinds of things is that we not very often but we occasionally do things and then completely forget we've done them like our unconscious just completely takes over and kind of has a mind of its own and we we never remember it because we we have no memory of it but for the small moments the uh the unconscious completely takes over we sort of zone out yeah I, I agree. and we don't realize that it's us that's done them um which i think is even more terrifying really than yeah you know, like i said I, I don't i don't think ghosts i don't think it's about um the unknown i think it's actually people trying to put order on things they can't explain as opposed to the opposite you know i i actually think that i mean unless you've really gone through something quite terrifying like like you have kieran but i I do think for a lot of people it's it's actually trying to explain something and to make it less scary to make it less unknown i think that's certainly one of the things my my nan did as a medium i think there was a lot of guesswork involved there a lot of comfort she derived from the theories she created yeah i can see that and like memory is quite a fickle thing because mm. I think they say it a lot in a like law enforcement and detective work, like when they're interrogating witnesses and suspects, particularly if they've seen something traumatic, like your memory can change. It's the most unreliable thing ever. Yeah. Uh, to, to quote a film, was it Memento or something? Like he says something like, you know, memory can change the color of a car. It can change the gender of a person on the street just from where something happened, change the time of day. Yeah. It's mem- memory is an incredibly fickle thing especially the further back you go yeah. it's very easy to misremember things and again not saying that that's everyone's experience and every explanation of things but it's it's certainly one that could be responsible for some of some of this um what about you mark um happy birthday by the way 
Yeah, cheers, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sort of um, on the fence with this whole topic, really. I don't really, like, sway sort of hard either way. I, I mean, I think I think Kieran's story is quite interesting. Like, um, yeah, the, the old guy didn't happen to have a cigar, did he, Kieran? <laughs> no, he did. I... <laughs> Again, I'm I'm, I'm trying. I'm, dodgy pair of glasses. I'm trying to remember what what I saw, but now then, now then, um, <laughs> it was yeah, it was it was weird. I, I had I remember I vaguely remember because I had one of those. Um, has anyone ever seen the the night lights that are like they're called moonlights? Uh, the the they they cast like a green light in the room, which is what astronauts use apparently in space when they're sleeping because it's a comforting light color. I don't know whether that's true, but yeah. Anyway, I had one of those, and I just remember when I saw what I thought was the old man, that the, the light was kind of playing off what he was wearing. Like I've wanted to say it was kind of like a suit that he was wearing or like a blazer and like, and trousers. And that the light was kind of the green light was playing off that. That's kind of how I remember it really in my head. I think, I think it's a Terminator paradox. I think it was you from the, from the future. <laughs> Come back. You came Go back, back. To see what, what really happened and inadvertently caused your own terror. Oh, mate. Oh, that's actually... Has anyone seen The Haunting of Hill House? Yeah. With the bent neck lady. Yeah, mate, yeah. That's, 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 that's literally that. Yeah, that's horrible. The old, the old guy in that who's like the really tall guy with the cane who starts floating yeah. and you can just see his feet out of the bed. That gave me chills. Yeah, that was creepy as shit. But yeah, no. They're, they're, they're basically, kind of, there's a TV show that has the exact thing you just described there. So yeah, potentially, who knows? Completely derailed what Matt was saying there, mate. Carry on. No, I, I I literally derailed myself, mate. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's my own fault, isn't it, to be um, Yeah, Matt. Matt, have you ever had anything happen to you? But no, yeah, I'm I'm really really on the fence. I've I've never I've never really like seen anything or or sort of you know the only the only experience I do have is I, I was staying around a friend's house. They didn't really press it, but they passed in sort of comment before that a lot of weird stuff happened there. And I obviously, you guys know how much of a dickhead I was when I was younger. Like, immediately began, immediately began to take the piss. Like, <laughs> as you would do, like absolutely rinsing them. And um, yeah, I remember I literally stayed around the house, um, stayed in the lounge. It's quite an old house. You would have thought that perhaps the fact that they'd said that it was haunted would press on my mind or something, but like absolutely not like it wasn't even like it can like perhaps it was in my subconscious memory i don't know like i didn't really think about it or consider it but i just remember sleeping in their lounge and um it was sort of about i don't know probably three o'clock in the morning i just couldn't sleep and uh we, you know we'd stayed up late obviously i think we'd watched a film or, or something like that then they went upstairs and i stayed downstairs and uh, i just remember like a, a similar sort of like terror to kieran really in the sense of being unable to sort of shout for help or anything um but it wasn't i didn't see anything i just felt like a dramatic temperature change in the room mm. and um there's just like a, a sense of feeling that something was really really wrong and uh, yeah i just remember like really sort of um just 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 um like, sort of, not necessarily like being paralyzed by fear but just sort of being so scared you didn't necessarily know how to react to it yeah um that literally is being paralyzed with fear, isn't it? Literally what I just said. <laughs> being so scared you don't know how to react. But perhaps it was the dramatic change. Because it genuinely was a dramatic change in temperature, which led to me being on edge. But I just remember just just feeling like something wasn't quite wasn't quite right. Yeah. Like I wasn't like yeah. I wasn't the only person there. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know when somebody's looking at you, 
and you know that somebody's looking at you even though you don't know where they are. Yeah, you get that uneasy like feeling. I, I, it sounds like a fight or yeah, flight. It sounds like a I, fight I, or flight response, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's just what's triggering it. It could be just your own mind or whatever. I mean, I, I've had it before with... Um, I was taking some pretty fucking crazy ADHD medication when I was younger and um, it triggered like just this horrible sense of fear. I'd be talking one minute and then the next minute I'd just be like exactly that feeling, frozen with, with fear or screaming if I could figure out how to move and just terrified of, of mm. nothing. I know, I know a lot of people that have, that have had it. Um, I saw a really good, it was a, fucking, it was a TED talk, I think actually. And it was yeah. um, this scientist and she was explaining actually her house had been haunted and it was a, it was a carbon monoxide leak. But halfway through, you're thinking, the fuck, how, how can, how can this be true? You're like a rationally minded person and everything. And you're, you're so skeptical of all this and there's no explanation. And then halfway through, she's like, cause she had, she had a very, she had a similar feeling uh, as well. That feeling of terror. Check the carbon monoxide leaks in your house, mate. Check it. Well, that's another theory, isn't it? Because there's a theory about like radon gas and stuff in houses and whether. Yeah. Well, ingesting all sorts of chemicals and ingesting all sorts of things. Yeah. Potentially there was another incident. I can't remember the bloody name. It was a, it was quite a well-documented case of poltergeist activity in a house. And basically they, they went and investigated it. They had all the professionals, you know, coming in fucking exorcist geezer stood outside under a street light. the lot, um, they, they figured out there were a lot of bad, like, electronics in the house in the walls like a lot of like faulty wirings and stuff and from what i remember they they had that repaired and i and as the story was written that i was reading i think it was in a book i read about it um the haunting stopped everything stopped pretty much immediately um and that's why that i think that was one of the first things that i read that kind of gave a bit of credibility to the fact that maybe it's like kind of emf and stuff that's causing some of these things and maybe like causing us to like hallucinate and stuff like including auditory hallucinations potentially i don't know yeah even like uh, even damp if you let damp get to extreme levels where you've got like literally black like mushroom mold yeah that's known, yeah. that's known to give off like hallucinogenic like vapors or whatever. Like people do literally hallucinate if they have it that bad in, a, in an enclosed space. There's loads of interesting theories about moles, isn't there? Mm. And things like things like heat and lots of illnesses. Yeah. Just on the side point though, Joe, I thought it was interesting you mentioned about the napkins. I, it never happened to me, but I, I worked at Speech House Hotel and there were there were a lot. I mean, that place, if anyone knows it, is really old. That was uh, King Charles II's hunting lodge back in the 1600s, um, 1700s, whenever it was he returned from France. Um, there, there's allegedly a lot of hauntings there because it, uh, it was a functioning court and it had a gibbet outside and they used to hang people and whatnot. So it's got a lot of grisly history. But I, I worked there for a bit and there are a lot of superstitious old foresters that work there. So I, I, I took what they were saying with a heavy, heavy pinch of salt. Elvis old ghost. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was uh, there were a lot of stories about staff laying out napkins in the main the ver- what's called the Verderers Court and the napkins uh, people coming back. This was on like the, the night shift, so it would have been people working on their own. And then coming back in and all the napkins would have been put away or all the napkins would have been moved to one table or something like that. Yeah. There, there were a lot of stories of that happening, like with, with napkins, um, cutlery, stuff like that. So it's funny that there seems to be a link, uh, like little things, which potentially gives credibility to what Connor said about us potentially doing things that we don't remember. 
because a lot of the things that went missing in my mum and dad's house was uh, things like cutlery and stuff like that. It was a lot of small things. Yeah, yeah you never see a wardrobe or a wall. Like, what, yeah. why is there a limit to the power of a ghost? What, what, they're, they're disembodied. They don't, they're not physically moving things. It's not Agreed. the strength of their muscles. So why does nothing big ever move? And it, yeah, yeah it's, now we're trying to like apply science to ghosts. And that's where, that's where it gets interesting because like, there's, there's so many different reports well, there's, ne- there's never been a credible scientist who's ever found any evidence for ghosts, ever. No, I agree. I, just, I think it's quite interesting to like, because my mind naturally, I, th- I think most people's minds probably, if something like that happens, to try and explain it and fit it to the yeah. sort of science that we know. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's probably quite good to try and figure out, like, get some kind of framework, like a consistent framework, for, like what is a ghost? What can they do? But obviously, as you say yourself, like we just, there's just no real evidence yeah well that's, that's what i think my nan was trying to do oh I, I didn't i never said my ghost stories they're not as good as kieran's i don't think uh no, go on so we had a lot of stuff go on in my old house as i was growing up voices footsteps things like that but one of the main ones was my mum and dad were in the bath together and the tv which was like a, it was one of those old tvs that had like a physical knob knob hey. <laughs> <laughs> So, it was mate, so mature. I love it. It was pushed right to the right to the max. The TV just not only turned on, but turned on like full volume, and it was it was all physical buttons. Mm. Um, again, there there are kind of explanations. It might have been left on and and already pressed in these buttons, and somebody might have done it earlier, and the, you know electronically turned on. But um, the, the weirdest one I think was my mum and dad's wardrobe was like screaming and my mum went upstairs she thought the cat was locked in she opened it and there was nothing inside and it was shaking and like moaning and screaming it's horrible thinking about that and my mum quite often would kind of wake up and um to someone sitting on the edge of the bed and she just assume it's my dad coming home from night work uh i've heard about that yeah and he would just come in like several hours later uh, I remember my mum was sat on the edge of her windowsill waiting to sort of jump into the garden for like four hours. And my dad came home. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, well, there's there's someone upstairs. They haven't come in yet, but they're in the other room. I can hear them. She was waiting to like basically just jump and break her legs. And she couldn't do I've it. Got, I've got a really similar story to that because that, that is when when you're put in a position where you're genuinely that scared that you... you do, I mean, it was when I jumped down the stairs, I, I hurt my ankle. But I this was probably the last ever serious incident that ever happened in my parents' house that I experienced. And this was after I met you guys. And I must have been about 17. I'd come home from sick form and... I was always the first one home. Usually I let myself in, unlocked the door and I came in and where my bedroom used to be, basically the, the entrance hall to our mum and dad's house was on the, the side of the house. Um, it was a conversion and I, I went in through there and basically it was, it was like an annex. Uh, the, the stairs uh, immediately on your right, as you come into this hallway, go up to my bedroom. That's the only way you could get up to my bedroom. Just these stairs, one set of stairs going up and down. That was it. And as I come in, I can hear I can hear somebody on my laptop upstairs. I can hear the clacking, like the that sort of sound. I can hear somebody using my laptop quite mm. distinctly. And of course, I panic, not for that reason, because I think my mum's on my computer. I'm a 17-year-old. Obviously, there's some colourful internet history. <laughs> I'm like, 
Um, so I, I legged it up the stairs. And again, it was one of those scenarios where I was expecting to see someone and, you know, and you get totally caught off guard. And I, I, I was like, oh, mum, mum, why, why are you on my computer? And as I opened, and I'll never forget because the, the sound carried on and this remains clear in my mind, the sound carried on right as I was opening the door still. It didn't stop before I opened the door. I could hear it right up to as I was opening the door to my room and I opened the door and there was no one there. And I, I fuck it, I legged it down the stairs and I, I sat uh, on the front gates to the house literally for like three hours until my mum came home. And, on, and she was walking down the road and she could see me and she was like, what are you doing? I was like, sorry, I'm not going in there on my own. And I was like nearly like, you know, nearly 18 at this point. Like I wasn't a little kid anymore. I was, sh- I was shit scared. Yeah, I don't blame and I, I don't blame your mum for being scared too. When you're put in that situation where you think that there's someone there that you know. She was willing to break her own legs and, and jump if, if something yeah. came through that door. She just had her eyes on that door for fucking ages. She woke up and it, and it was, it carried on. Uh, it was just like, so she, she heard somebody upstairs as well, but she also heard downstairs. She thought she was being burgled. That was it. Because there was just crashing for like five minutes straight, just like fucking pots and pans and, and broken crockery. She could hear it downstairs. And uh, of course, when my dad came back, there was nothing, absolutely nothing. It was, it was spotless. She thought it might've been the cat, but then, yeah, there was just no, no evidence of anything happened. It was just, noise in her head that's really scary man whatever that was whatever that was that was really scary bless her yeah yeah slightly slightly funnier one i was up in the woods with my dad um going for a walk and this woman came on, on a horse past us and she uh she had a, a drink of uh, my orange squash and then carried on into the distance and as we turned the corner it was a complete dead end there was nowhere she could have gone not with a horse there was like, we, we crawled through like a little uh, bit of undergrowth to get to the other side, but she mysteriously vanished. And I remember saying to my dad, like, and my dad believes in ghosts. I remember saying like, oh, she, she must've been a ghost dad. Like, oh, ghosts don't drink squash. <laughs> <laughs> Go, ghosts don't drink squash, brother. Like, Amazing. Why, do, why don't they drink squash? It's like, you, you believe they can physically interact with the world. <laughs> And that they do, they do things that they previously would have done in this life. Why can't a ghost drink my squash? And he just, he found it the most ridiculous thing ever. And it's like, no, it's, you know, it's like, and why was she on a horse? Was the horse a ghost? What? So you don't think that horses could be ghosts? Of course they can. I think, I think those are the ones uh, that are probably, I would say that you can explain these stories of people that like mysteriously vanish. So there's so many famous stories she, she went down. She went down a, a track that I hadn't seen. Yeah, precisely. Or, or, she, or she, she went. Yeah, she, she kind of. She must have just like plowed through a bit of undergrowth with the horse. Like, there's. Has anyone of heard of the story? Oh, it's a Gloucestershire story. Um, I'll see if I can find it quickly on the internet. Um, basically, it's the story of a guy, Penny in the snow. Basically, um, it happened somewhere in Gloucestershire. And I realise this is really, really vague, um, but I'm just trying to do my best from memory. That's and there was, and this this was a story from maybe a hundred years ago, or so, maybe more. And there was a guy who was riding from Dursley to somewhere else. He was on the horseback, and it was in the snow, and he was kind of riding and riding, and he'd been warned not to go out that night, but he was like 
haplessly lost and it was like a proper whiteout he was like really starting to kind of break it like shit am i going to get caught out in this and then eventually like you know he saw he saw a light uh, in the distance proper hotel california style um he rode <laughs> up to this and it was uh, it was like an inn and he he basically kind of knocked on the door and it was answered um by i can't remember if it was like a bartender or a, you know a, a, a butler or something like that it might have even been a house i'm really sorry i know this is really vague but still the point of the story remains the same anyway it was an establishment in the snow a guy answered the door he came in and he asked if he could come in to shelter and he did um and he had a had a full night's kip and everything blah 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 uh as he left the next day he tipped the guy um i think it was like a penny or something like that that back then probably would have had a lot more value but he gave him some money and then he rode on well anyway when he got to his destination they the people that he was meeting there were like jesus christ where were you like we, we, we thought you were dead like you were supposed to be here and you know, we heard that you'd gone out in this snow and he was like, no, no, I was fine. I, I, I stayed at, I stayed at this place back there. And, and these people were like confused and they were like, what, what place are you on about? And he was like, oh, it's, it's, it's just back there. And they went back to the place where he'd allegedly stayed. And I think, I think there's two versions of this story. I, I think one of them is that there was like, uh, there was like ruins there. The others that there was nothing there at all. But the, the, the main fact is that they found his penny that he'd given the, the coin that he'd given just in the snow. And that was the only trace of his story that they could find. That is a really, really common story of people thinking that they like spoke with someone, they interacted with someone full body. It happened to my grandparents in Norway. They took directions from an old woman who literally all they did was turn around and then turn back around and she was gone. There was a really famous story in the Little Dean House Hotel, uh, if anyone knows that, um, in the Forest of Dean, where somebody came upstairs to use the bathroom. Um, it was like a, a single bathroom, so just with a door into it, and that was it. And as they opened it, there was somebody already in the bathroom. They were like, oh, fuck, sorry, mate. Close the door. <laughs> Ghost having a shit. Yeah, no, straight up. But they realized as they closed the door, like, what the fuck? That person was wearing, like, really weird clothes. That's the thing you know. <laughs> like, like old, st- old style clothes. And then they opened the door and, of course, there was no one in there. So there's, there's a lot of these stories. And that guy having a shit was wearing ye old tunic. <laughs> shit. Yeah, trust. And I wonder if it's just like a common, I don't know, if, 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 if there's just like this common sort of trait with people forgetting important details that happen with things that lead to these stories being constructed, perhaps. But there, there definitely seems to be a lot of common factors between all of them. They all seem to share a lot of similarities. I do love stories um, like that, like the, you know, you kind of go off to a rural place, weird town and it never existed type vibe. I think that's really cool. Yeah, folklore just makes the place so much more interesting. Why I really enjoyed doing that episode on the Forest of Dean. Trying to look for the same in Herefordshire um, for an upcoming episode, and it's it's surprisingly a lot harder. And I think I think it really does enrich a place, like especially the Forest of Dean. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, absolutely full of it in the Forest of Dean. Um, I think it's no accident that the the place is full of the superstitious old sort of old school people tend to be the places with the most ghost stories. Um, I think that definitely plays into it massively. Um, You don't Mm. tend to hear quite as many ghost stories from the more progressive metropolitan places, not to say that they don't exist. Um, And they, you know, you do get stories. Great for tourism as well. And it, it, yeah, it it just makes the place feel a little bit more alive as as much as a skeptic as I am. Yeah. Absolutely. Wouldn't 
portrayed in his story. And it, and it's it's made more powerful by the fact that people still believe in them and keep them alive as well. Yeah. Well, I had one more story, is all. Yeah, sure. As I said, my nan's a medium and she was around my auntie's house and my auntie was slapped in the face as she sat down. Everybody heard the slap. Her face was really red. Nothing slapped her. They were all watching her. Uh, it's one of those rare ones because normally it happens out of the room or just as you come in. But it literally happened in front of everybody. And my dad was there as well. I think that's part of the reason why he believes in ghosts. I think I would if I actually saw it, to be honest. Weird. It was just the strangest thing. But I think even that can be can be explained. I think people feel sensations a lot of the time. And they may have imagined they heard the slap afterwards collectively. Potentially. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's it's very again it's very difficult playing with memory and things but it, it it is possible it's just weird um but once someone's experienced that you really can't get their mind off of the idea and of course my nan was doing all the usual stuff but i remember asking i remember asking like why didn't everybody rush to her and then like go oh shit there's a body there uh, oh you're right oh fuck there's a person here like what what it's like oh well it it's only physical when it needs to be i was like well isn't that just like convenience um you know how did it get in and out why is it a person as opposed to anything else it's just some force why did it have to be a hand that slapped yeah. it's like her hat the hand obeyed physical laws but nothing else did why would it even need a hand it's like oh well it's basically a manifestation of um negative energy that's why they stay around in the first place that's why you get poltergeist and earthbound spirits my man would always say she, she told some lovely stories about guardian angels as well which i still i still kind of want to believe especially to do with relatives that were sort of on their way out. I guess that's sort of, sort of part of it is the wanting to believe. Because like, yeah, it, it, it really is. Nice, And I think people do want to believe that their loved ones are still with them in some way, shape or form. She would say that she would see people as guardian angels all the time. Yeah. And that they were assigned. She had, she had just, it's just kind of wishful thinking. I, I really hope that it wasn't all made up. I've got no reason to think it is anything other than made up but it's all right to be undecided as well i think mm. but i i think you have to proportion your beliefs to evidence as i guess fucking david Heme said i you know I, I do i do think you can't just put stock in things that if anything the evidence counts against and in this case when it comes to yeah. these elaborate rules about guardian angels as much as i would like to believe that's true i i'm i've got no reason to say it does i don't i don't personally believe it i think over the years as i've kind of processed what happened i mean i get i guess to wrap up like in short what i've said because I've, I've i've talked a lot about what happened my kind of view on it is i know for a fact it all happened because it happened too many times it you know for for us and it, it like i said it happened under all sorts of conditions i was in all sorts of moods it wasn't just when i was stressed it caught me off guard so many times when i was completely relaxed um, and it also caught me when I was stressed as well. So there didn't seem to be any common pattern and it happened to all different people within the house at different times of day and so forth. So for me, I can't deny that whatever this phenomena phenomena is happens as to what causes it. I don't know. And I don't necessarily believe it's something we, that we don't know exists. I, I believe it very probably could be something that we just don't yet attribute to it. Um, I think it's probably something that we actually already have a lot of experience with in other kind of aspects of science, but just don't know. Like I said, maybe EMF, which we know is a thing and we know partly what it does. We might just not understand the full kind of implications of that and what that actually, how that interacts with it. But I think that 
the the other thing I want to like kind of get across really is this really did affect my life for a long time. But I was shit scared in that house at a young age. Like I was, I, I couldn't go upstairs on my own. And I know for a fact I've dealt with it well now because I, I it helped me get over my fear of the dark. I can stay in the house on my own now, which is great. Um, back then, I think I was of the mindset that it was a dead person or dead people when I was younger. I think I did think that, particularly because of the way I remember responding to it. I, I kind of treated it almost like it was a person. Last story, I promise. I was playing drums in my practice room. Uh, it's right at the top of mum and dad's garden. And there was one night when I was playing drums and I must've been about 16 at the time, 17 maybe. And as Matt said earlier, I suddenly started to get a really uneasy feeling. I had no reason to feel uneasy. I was fine. I was in my element. I was playing drums. I was focusing on something, but I just suddenly got this unshakable feeling that something wasn't quite right. Like the atmosphere was very heavy. And I remember thinking like, should I like, am, am I pissing someone off? Kind of like what happened with the slap. This is the only time I've ever actually felt something interact with me physically. It felt like somebody slapped me on the top of the head. Not hard, not like a, a, a audible slap, but I felt the, like the kind of impact of something going on the top of my head and it sent shivers down my spine. And at the exact same time that happened, all the sheet music that was um, on the piano stand uh, on our upright piano fell face forward and flat onto the floor. There were no windows open. There were no drafts. Mm. This happened in summer. Um, Cause I was thinking like, okay, the shivers down my spine. It could have been a draft. It could have blown it over at the same time. That's why I thought I, I can't explain that. And I remember I put down my drumsticks and I, and I literally said something along the lines of, I, I said it out loud. I was like, sorry, sorry, I'll stop. I'll go. And I went back down to the house. So back then I was interacting with it like it was a spirit. Um, yeah, I've, I've done the exact same thing before. Yeah. I was always told by my nan not to. What my dad told me that I've actually found a lot of comfort in when I was younger, which is um, it's not the dead you have to worry about, it's the living. Um, and that really resonated with me. And as I got older, I stopped kind of being afraid of that sort of thing as much um, because I was... Like, you know, obviously I got older, I learned how to look after myself. And mm. now I'm of the mindset, like, yeah, exactly. These days I, I genuinely couldn't give a shit if there was a ghost in the house with me, like, like what the fuck's it going to do? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't care. Like, so that for me was a big part of it was getting over my fear. And ever since then, I've been able to rationalize it a lot more. And now I'm moving further and further away from the potential that it is dead people that would eat them with. And that it is something a lot more something that has the potential to be a lot more explainable and a lot kind of easier for us to grasp than something quite as out there as like dead people remaining on earth. So that's kind of where I'm at with it at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I have no question that what happened happened. Yeah. And, and I, don't, I don't think anyone would, would dispute that at all. Yeah. It's like, there's, yeah. there's no reason to, to do that. I mean, I, I remember when I started getting into philosophy, I was kind of more on the sciencey side of everything. And um, it, just small things like Occam's razor. I think I took comfort in in these sort of logical things because I, 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 thinking back, think I probably didn't realize that these uh, kind of rational things had quite an emotional uh, investment from me because I like to believe that the world is can be rationalized and ordered, and I still believe it can. It's just I, I think I think I was very overzealous with it, and not that I, I, I don't think that things can be rational, things can be emotional, and there's a se separation between the two still. 
but I, I definitely do think I, I latched onto it a lot. And I, I think that's what switched me from believing in ghosts to believing in, uh, well, I, I literally thought that I was quite cultish with science at first. Mm. But yeah, I remember just before I got into philosophy, we had, we did our little, um, paranormal, I gotta remember the fucking thing, uh, paranormal enforcement negotiation <laughs> and investigation squad. Oh, man. <laughs> classic. When we tried to summon, was it Joe? Was it your uncle or something? We tried to summon uh, his spirit. Uh, yeah. I, I think technically they were my great uncle or something. Um, but I always knew them as my uncle. So, yeah, it was just one of my relatives who had passed away, like probably fairly recently at that point. Oh my god, I didn't realize it was recently yeah, it was, as like, well. To be fair, like I was, I knew them, but not like I wasn't that close to them or anything. Um, oh, it was like I don't know why we had the idea. <laughs> what were we even trying to do, Connor? I literally can't. It was like a seance, wasn't it? It was it was a seance, but it was also like it was basically a curry club every Friday. We'd have a big curry. Still you could still smell Madras. And we'd sit there, all hold hands. After we stopped giggling, we'd turn the lights off. Um and like just try different things, see what worked. I think I think I was in that stage of like oh, empiricism, science, I'm learning what this is. So I was like trying to sort of come up with some sort of methodology. <laughs> Because I, I think we all genuinely believed and we were trying to sort of get something out of it. Um, although we did, we did have somebody there who was head skeptic. Oh, yeah. We, we, all, we all have titles. <laughs> yeah, we were a demonologist because you had the, the business I was demon, priest. I, I was demonologist, yeah. And um, what was Joe? I can't remember. I can't remember. I might have been grand magician. Someone was grand magician. Yeah, it was something like that. Something that was dangerously close to being like uh, what what the head of the Clue Cuts clan is called. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was literally thinking that. Like, the Grand Wizard. <laughs> Whoops. Um, yeah, I remember that we started off with like secretary and like joke titles, and then we started to get more and more outlandish, ridiculous. Somebody at the end, we had somebody who was like ghoul tamer. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, yeah, just uh, assuming the existence of ghouls now. Yeah, it was fucking jokes. But I, uh, the only one I remember was uh, where I remember doing that with um, with Joe's great uncle. I remember trying to summon that, and I also I'm not sure if this is the same one, but where we just gave up and watched Roadhouse. <laughs> that was probably the best one. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. just ended up eating curry and watching Patrick Swayze do roundhouse kicks. <laughs> it was I mean, amazing. I mean, I I think we we did like experience a couple of things that we probably couldn't explain like the whole the tapping around the room especially when you got involved there was like seven distinct taps or whatever just around the room because the room was creaking all the time but uh, i mean yeah it's coincidence but wait, wait when i was there the only time we ever really had anything was when you were there it was like loads and loads of tapping around the room oh mate i'm just i'm clearly a hot spot <laughs> yeah I, I don't actually remember that. I don't remember hearing I don't really. anything. I think, I, remember, I think we all just got quite, like, worked ourselves up to it. Yeah. And then we were yes, kind of yeah. freaking out at every little sound. And all those Ghost Hunter shows are 100% bullshit. Zero credibility in any of them. Yeah, or well, Most Haunted, um, oh, which my nan used to really like. And oh, I used to rave about. Derek Akora. Found to be fabricating, wasn't it? Somebody was, somebody was uh, still rolling the tape and see it he's like he cracks up during one of the things he's making up he's because he made up all of it basically there there has been some things that have been featured on some of those shows that have actually because i used to watch them when i was when i was a lot younger um obviously 
usually like if I was like kind of off off school sick or whatever because it's daytime TV in it and most of it was trash but there were sometimes interesting things on there but um I think has, has anyone ever had any experience with some of those um ghost experiences uh nights that people run where you like go with a ghost hunting oh, team um, I haven't but Zach went on one and apparently it was a load of old ass he, nothing happened yeah um they, it was, they a lot of it was like psychological suggestion oh yeah I, I would I'd I'd 100% go on one if it was free. I don't think I'd give money to it, but I, well, why not? Actually, it is it's a laugh in it. We should do that. Actually, that'd be fucking jokes because we could just troll it and like you know just get fucking smashed before like that. That would be quite funny. But all right, so so, so that did it and said it was bollocks. Yeah, my my dad, my dad did one, and I think yeah, I was talking to him about it, and he said like they had they did it at Saint Revels Castle, and they went up to the the hanging room, which is where they used to hang people. And don't you mean Bravels? Saint Brett, mate, fuck off us. No. Um, he said they did the scrying, which is where you have the the candle held up by your faces and you look into the mirror. And he said they had some weird experience doing that. And they did another one as well. At, uh, it's like a villa place in um, Gloucestershire. My dad did it with my little brother, and apparently had weird experiences at that. But I must admit, I, I said to them like. Are you not worried about the fact that the people that are running it are literally like obliged to try and make you feel like something's happened? I think, I think that could be a good part of the experience. And I, the only time I take issue with it is when it becomes not a metaphysical or kind of empirical problem, but it becomes a problem of, I mean, suicide is still a problem, but I'm kind of quite chill about it until it becomes an ethical issue. Uh, mm. So people using mediumship as a way to oh, God, kind yeah. of antagonize people that are either ill or grieving. And I've, I've, I've seen that happen. Disgusting. I hate it. Yeah. And I, I don't think that mediums are necessary. And I think we have talked about this in the past. I don't think mediums are necessarily just outright lying in those cases. I think a lot of mediums can actually pick up on things that other people can't. They have a very, very good knack of it. And they are suggesting, even without knowing. And I think when they think they're communicating with the spirit world, they're actually communicating with, and this kind of goes into something we said last time about William James. Uh, they're communicating with the unconscious. And I think because the unconscious is big and alien and other, uh, part of your mind you have no control of, um, and it's, it's potentially much bigger than your conscious mind, uh, I, I think that that's kind of where they're getting these suggestions. So I think they're picking up on things without realizing, interpreting that as messages from the spirit world. And then, I mean, functionally, there's really no difference. But I think a lot of people convince themselves they have more capacity than they actually do to make certain claims and then they go well beyond their mandate and start making a fortune out of it um yeah yeah that could be a problem sorry joe what were you saying well yeah i was gonna say about the mirror thing um that you said kieran uh, it's quite interesting because that's actually like a known explainable phenomenon so if you actually yeah. if you do actually go into a dark room look in a mirror just so sort of light enough that you can see your face like if you try it now if you do that for a few minutes you you will start hallucinating shit in the mirror and it's freaky as fuck and it's because your brain is trying to your brain's basically effectively bored there's a lack of stimulus it starts inventing things just to keep it ticking over so that that will no, almost that's... definitely in most people elicit some sort of visual response so yeah we're kind of programmed to see faces and things and see yeah, this is uh, like <laughs> or something you, you literally yeah survival instinct is like look for faces and things to see if someone's there 
Sam's got a really cool story about that. He used to um, uh, stay over at my house in second year. So I shared with a group of guys and um, Sam would sleep on a really disgusting ketty sofa in the living room. And it, it was a really creepy house. It was really dark and dingy and tall, just really horrible. Um, but uh, Sam said that whenever he used to fall asleep in that house, he'd have a really uneasy feeling. And he used to see the same face. Uh, sort of like kind of in his vision, just like with his eyes shut as he was going to sleep. And again, I think that's that phenomena of like searching for a face out of patterns that you see. But yeah, he used to say that happened quite regularly and it was pretty fucking horrible when it did. So I think it's one of the impetuses behind like proto-religions, you know, when they they see agency in things that have no agency or they see personality or a face in things that don't necessarily have them they attribute autonomy to, to nature or whatever because because we're always looking in everything for you know you, we can't just say that lightning struck we have to say somebody threw a lightning spear or whatever and it's i think it's the same thing when people uh, see a shadow or see something move in the dark they have to go well that was it was a, a shade or a wraith or it was this or that I don't know yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's been interesting. I think, Matt, you, I feel like we've probably taken over for most of this. You've come into this being on the fence. What are your thoughts now, having listened to everything we've had to say? Like, have you got kind of any new sort of formed opinions on things? Have you perhaps rethought anything? Like, where, where do you sit on it now? Um, yeah, I'd say that um, I'm still on the fence, but, yeah, I always look for obviously for scientific explanations of things. I do think that we've not really touched that much on some of the theories, but like um, one of the theories I remember, like it's like the concepts of these things might be real in the sense of like, for example, the sense of smell. Um, you can't really see what you're smelling, can you? Also, this is a terrible example, or something like sonar. You know, without the technology, you can't really see it. So I think there are there are a lot of yeah. people that believe that you know I know there's an argument as well, isn't there, about like trapped light and all of that, which gives uh, so it's, it's like infrared or ultraviolet. It's something it's a spectrum we can't see. Yeah, I, I think I think there might be some some merit to that. Really, that there are there are simply things that are going on that that, that can be explained uh, sort of like through science that perhaps aren't really necessarily visible to us. Yeah, yeah. There, there are some things basically that just aren't observable with our normal senses, and I think that might be an explanation for it. But then the question you have to ask at that point is why do some people, why all of a sudden does it become observable? So that's the that's the thing I don't understand. I would say, honestly, I'm probably much more leaning towards the side of sort of scientific explanation you know there might there might be a supernatural i wouldn't want to close my mind off it completely but i think i think your stories have been particularly um interesting kieran particularly that you you straight away reach you know always looking for a scientific explanation for it particularly not being asleep isn't it that sensation where you're fixed in place sleep paralysis yeah sleep paralysis i don't i still don't wouldn't want to commit myself one way or the other and that's sensible to be honest mate yeah, you, you boys have all obviously been very respectful of of my stories, so I appreciate that. I think to people that are listening, like that, the main thing I want to get across is that I have no reason to lie about this stuff. I'm not an, I'm not an author. I don't have any kind of financial income that rests on my credibility for telling stories. 
I wouldn't make this kind of stuff up to my mates. Like it's, it all happened. And I'm, I'm saying as it happened, I have tried to find explanations over the years. And as I'm getting older, I'm leaning more and more away from the spooky supernatural side of things and more to the, okay, that happened, but it was probably, you know, and when I said earlier as well, I think it's probably also important to say about like EMF and stuff. I don't necessarily believe that that's specifically what it is. That is more just an example. I think like Matt said, it's, I, I think the, the whole idea of it's something very tangible, just something that we can't see that's causing it or some of it. it, it I think that's quite a sensible explanation. So I want to make one thing kind of clear. Um, and I, I've written on this in the past. Yeah. I've never deny anyone's actual experience. Even when I say things like ghosts aren't real. That's, you know, there's a difference between experience and explanation, correct? Yeah. And putting facts out there in the world and an extra step profiting off of those facts or saying my facts are not just, you know, propositions or statements, they are the truth. And yeah. I, I don't think very many people do that, but even just people that claim to have experienced something and they kind of go, well, what's your theory? I was like, well, I, I don't need a theory. I, I'm happy to leave it unexplained. It's interesting. Uh, it, it's it's pure speculation, and that's cool. That's that's something that's really decent to talk about with mates. It's decent to talk about down the pub. But I I think uh, I mentioned Occam's razor earlier. It's you know the idea that William of Occam came up, and it's going to butcher the explanation. I mean, we'll we'll do all like actual proper philosophy ideas in, in like a separate thing. But um, you know, just 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 the basic idea that the the simplest explanation is the best. That if you say, well, God has five heads, you say, well, I'll stop you there. Why are you saying five? It's like, I don't know. It's like, well, don't make things up. Let's just, let's say as one, let's, you know, draw it back a bit. So I think before we jump to, and again, this is at the level of putting out facts, creating propositions, um, saying this is real, this is reality. I think it's better to, as a first, look for possible explanations and not just possible, but the things that, have happened in the past if we're trying to explain these things always cool to speculate and you know if, if it if it helps it helps or if you, you feel that more accurately represents reality then that's that's cool beans the only beef i have and i'm becoming a, yeah, a lot more chill about this as, as i get older I, I, it doesn't really bother me at all it's just this idea that when people say to people that are skeptical that they're closed-minded as opposed to open-minded you know and i i, I I genuinely don't believe it's closed-minded to not want to like invent whole new laws of nature because I mean that's really what you have to do. Yes, skeptical is not the opposite of being open-minded. To me, like skepticism is like you approached it with an open mind, and your personal view is leaning towards there being scientific explanations for this stuff. But you have to have an open mind to kind of come to that conclusion in the first place. Like you can't, it just doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah. So, I mean, so long as people are happy and, and thoughtful, that's, yeah. that's it, really. I think it maybe is a slight tangent. Uh, people dislike criticism of, of their ideas or they see skepticism as a criticism of their ideas. And it really isn't. People kind of don't realize that criticism is actually a constructive thing. Like take criticism of art, for example. A lot of people don't don't like critics because they say, "Oh, well, why have you got to be so negative? Why have you got to bring people down?" But I think criticism is like a really useful tool. It, it actually shapes art. If we didn't have criticism, how would we get better at anything? Exactly. Yeah. Like you, you've either you only get better either through other people's criticism or your own self criticism. 
like it's either not good enough for you or it's not good enough for someone else. That's why you get better at something. Otherwise you just rest on your laurel. So criticism is by definition how we fucking improve at shit. So it's mm. absolutely a positive force. And it's kind of this idea that skepticism isn't a position in its own right, that it's the lack of a position. I, I guess in some ways that is true, but I also think, you know, not not just jumping in on the theory and saying, no, 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 I, I have to go with something rather than nothing. It's like, well, no, just I'm I'm happy to leave it unexplained i mean there are there are explanations but i don't think they they all cut it really but i'm certainly not going to jump that gap and go well it was that yeah you know, it was a disembodied dead thing or it, i think that's reasonable and I, and I don't think that's something that's very easy to dismiss no i think it's just because giving your example like it was something that really really affected you like personally by the sounds of things and when you're trying to criticize or sort of give a suggestion as to what might be an explanation to what people experienced. If sort of with the emotion that comes with it, people do tend to think you are denying their experience, don't they, I think? Yeah. Sure, but I mean, everyone has the right to an opinion. That's probably what they would say. But so do I. And that's mine. Uh, you know, crit- criticism of an opinion is an opinion. And it's just as valid as having an opinion, is another way I quite like to word it. Yeah, absolutely. I come across it quite a lot and, and um, I don't know, I never, I never want to come across as a bad friend. I never want to come across as somebody that would dismiss somebody's ideas offhandedly or, you know, I, I like to think a lot about these opinions that I hold. But yeah, I, I, as I said, I, I wouldn't deny anyone's experience. That's, I think that's another thing that people think is happening when I talk about proof and, and, and materialism and things. I, 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 it's just something I experience a lot, I guess. Yeah, 100%. I was going to ask a very important question and we'll go around one by one. I think starting with Matt and then Joe and then you, Connor, and then me last. If you were a ghost, what would be the one thing you wanted to do? Oh, uh, yeah. And um, I'd, I'd probably like go and like haunt the new build or something, mate. Because like, no one's going to believe that, you know, there's a ghost in like that was built like a month ago, are they, to be fair? <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, "What kind of Indian burial ground is uh, beneath this apartment <laughs> complex?" I'm literally, I'm, I'm li- I'd literally just be trolling them, mate. No one believe them. Go and haunt, haunt scientists. Really shake things up. Fucking hell! Oh man, I haven't really thought about it long enough. But I would, I'd probably just do. I'd probably just make mischief. To be honest, changing like someone's dissertation to like white font or something, so they think they've lost it, and then changing it back because I'm not that mean. You don't have to be a ghost to do that, Joe. <laughs> That's true. It helps. I don't know. Probably just make mischief. Depends what my kind of the boundaries of my powers are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Can you drive a car? Can you? What can you do? Drive a plane? Yeah. I, I was. I, I guess this question is kind of loosely based on whatever your perception of what a ghost can and can't do. So yeah, if you think a ghost could do that, it's a bit like the whole. What, what would you do if you're invisible? Question. And yeah. it's, it's just the most pointless power. <laughs> it's supposed to be a bit of fun, Connor. <laughs> no, it's a good question. It's, it's, it's just back into clubs that I get thrown out of. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'd go to a, a, a proper like feminist's house and I'd perpetually leave the toilet seat up when she thought she put it down. Nice. That'd be a big win. You could learn to fly a plane, to be fair, couldn't you? Yeah, how long have I got? I've got eternity, so I, I would just like learn loads of skills. 
It's just it's just immortality, kind of. I mean, except I can go through walls. And this is the thing I've never really understood the rules. Are you, are you aware that you're you? That'd be a horrible case of like existential despair. This this is the thing that I I've always had the hardest time believing is that when we die, why on earth would we take a perfect replica of our like skin and bones and everything into some sort of ethereal form? Surely, if there's like a soul within us, it would not look like what our bodies look like. If that makes sense. Actually, there's a fairly serious point. There's something I forgot to bring up earlier. Actually, it's like a something called the stone tape theory, which is it's called a theory, but in terms of scientific um, basis, there's basically no evidence for it. It's more speculation. So it's like a pseudoscience theory kind of thing. Yeah, I kind of like it because it's like a halfway attempt to explain some stuff, and it's the idea that like traumatic or emotionally charged events can somehow be like imprinted on the surrounding materials like rock and stone in the same way as a videotape, hence the name. Yeah. And then in some, some, some kind of triggers that make that get played back like later in time in the form of like a vision or like a whisper or a scream or something, which I think is quite cool. I think the idea is quite cool, but it just, it doesn't, doesn't explain any kind of physical interactions with reality. But at least, like somebody's attempted to try and link it to, you know, some kind of analogy. Well, actually, that was pretty much the original idea of, of ghosts, right? So, in this kind of theory, you, what you're seeing isn't like an actual spirit. It's just literally like a, an imprint of something that happened way in the past, and it's non-interactable, which I feel like is a lot kind of more believable on the kind of believable spectrum. Mm. In the medieval time, the idea of a ghost was much more specific in some ways but in other ways a lot more vague i in my uni experience and stuff i kind of uh, studied a lot of religions and i had to like look at like things like spiritualism and ended up looking at the origins of ghosts and things and it's kind of interesting the word doesn't mean what we use it and that's the whole sense of the modern context of the paranormal right uh, the older sense of, kind of specters and things they usually had a very firm place in the order of things as did everything back then in terms of a like, cosmic order of the hierarchy of, of good and bad and all things in between, as opposed to just some force. Right. So whether affirming the, the divine or going against it, that would usually be their role. You also have this kind of less important idea of a ghost, uh, which is basically just like an unexplained apparition. Not necessarily a dead person come back to life and all this. It, it was just sort of seen as a part of nature and it was so peripheral to what people did and the way they talked about it. Not like... In the 18th century and everything, people started getting obsessed with it. People would talk about them as if they were just strange but regularly occurring objects in the world. Like they might have a purpose, but they might just be like, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to get is like a, a portent or an omen, just like a thing. It's yeah. just there. Just, oh, ghost, ghost down there at the old abbey. It's kind of like a whisper or a breath or something. And they would use a lot of words. That's why kind of Middle English and Germanic uh, ways of describing ghosts are literally things like whispers and, and breath some of the, those kind of words come from. But yeah, the ghosts as we understand it in modernity, totally different. They're much more, oh God, it's a ghost kind of thing. And I, I, I think people in the past were just like, ah, ghost. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. I think they only really become scary and typically thought to really haunt things is because of the imagination of, of fiction and literature and the, the horror genre as it grew. I was going to say the paranormal activities haven't really helped with things, have they? <laughs> No, exactly. Before, obviously, ghosts were almost venerated. They were seen as a part of nature, especially as you get to these more nature-affirming religions. You get things like ancestor worship and stuff, and or spirits being just a manifestation of a 
forest or a large ancient natural place. They were just kind of a force. Yeah, I suppose why would you think otherwise? Because lots of things that we can explain today weren't explained in the past, like meteor showers. And so I guess you just lump in sort of ghosts with uh, it's just some kind of omen or whatever that, you know, or from the deity that we might happen to worship at that point. Yeah, but we've become a, very obsessed with like cultivating horror as well, like trying to get ourselves more and more scared, especially in the last couple of hundred years, not just literature, but like TV and film and even festivals like Halloween. I think, I think we're trying to scare ourselves with this shit. Yeah. I had a mate who believed in jinn, as in genies. The fuck? She was absolutely terrified. She was a Muslim. And jinn are, again, just a, like a peripheral part of, of Islamic supernatural beliefs. Is that why she believed because of her religion or anything that had specifically happened to her? No, she just kind of believed in them because it was it was part of the traditions that had been handed down because jinn kind of inhabited Arabia long before, uh, or supposedly inhabited them, uh, b- before uh, Islam came along. And then when Islam came along, they I think they kind of grew less important, but generally that was the supernatural explanation of the time. That was... Right. And what's cool about the jinn is they were sort of just random chaotic force. They weren't human and they weren't good or bad. They just kind of inspired people or made them mad. So a great poet would do things and it would be, oh, the, the jinn have gifted him with uh, all this wisdom or you know, somebody would uh, go mad and they say, oh, the jinn have made him ill. And so, yeah, their ability to grant wishes, and they're, they're a really interesting idea of a ghost and totally different to what we have. I think mm. some ideas of ghosts are very universal across cultures, but I think some really aren't. And uh, yeah, she, she used to get fucking really scared if she saw a tree on the way home. Because uh, she'd just be like, you know, they manifest in trees and shit at night. They come out because it's a tree is like a natural thing or like maybe right rocks and mountains, but, you know, more like forests and things and old places of the world. I don't, I, I doubt they'd come out in a, in a fucking tree outside the uni that's been planted in the last 10 years. But it's a, kind of an interesting, interesting one. Nice. Yeah. It's very different to the whole haunted house idea. Yeah, for sure. That is interesting. I was laughing and resist the urge to make a joke about Matt drinking a gin and tonic the whole time then. Maybe it's got him. Oh no. Stay away from the lamp. Don't rub it. (laughs) (laughs) Genie's no laughing matter, mind. Cool. Fantastic. Spooktacular. That was very, very spooky. Yeah.